Just Thinking with hosts Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking broadcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What's going on, Omaha? What's going on, man? Not much, man. Trying to make some stuff happen, man. We're back at it again, trying to trying to make it all 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 make sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is episode 42 of man. the Just Thinking broadcast. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable, man. Just just I, it, it wasn't. I don't know. I don't know what's more unbelievable that we've done 42 of these, or that our listeners we still have listeners after 42. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love it, man. It's it's been an amazing ride, man. It's amazing to see, man, what what God has has done in a in a very short amount of time, in the way of of listeners, folks that are that are connecting with us, desiring to to follow, uh, you know, along in what we're sharing, what we're saying, um, and and then just you know opportunities, man, that are that are growing and going as we were kind of talking off offline before we got on, uh, you know, this. The the, uh, the episode, man, it's just it's just great to see what God is doing. It really is. Yeah, it really is. And I was sitting here thinking that 10 more of these episodes, by God's grace, he gives us life and health to be able to do this for another 10 weeks. We would have had a year's worth of the Just Thinking podcast. That would be 52 episodes. Wow. A year's worth. So, uh, you know, we try where we can. Perhaps we could be a little more consistent in this, but. Whenever it comes to our mind, we try to be very conscious and uh, aware that we're here every week because of our listeners. Mm. Uh, we love you guys. You support us week after week after week. You're praying for us. You're helping us out financially and uh, and in other ways as well. Mm. Uh, so we really appreciate you all for uh, taking the time to tune in to the Just Thinking broadcast and for giving us your prayers your encouragement and your support. We really thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, that's crazy, man. A year. A year. Man, it it will have it. I mean, at that point, man, it will have flown by. Right. It really has. And and just think, Lord willing, 10 more episodes will give us 52 episodes, a year's worth of episodes of the Just Thinking broadcast. And you and I have still never met in person. (laughs) That's great. I'm going to, here's the thing that I realized, man, I'm going to have to get back to Atlanta and hit G3 in January just so we can make this happen. Mm-hmm. I've got to figure yeah, that Lord out. Willing, I missed G3. I missed G3 last year. Mm-hmm. But and man, willing, it was, bro, bro it was crazy without you because we had just gotten started and already it was, where's, where's Daryl? I was like, look, look. I'm not mint speed here. Like, don't, don't, don't see at the time, at the time, man, they, I hadn't, I hadn't gotten the moniker Omaha yet. Right. So they, right. They didn't, have, they didn't have Virgil down. They really didn't know, you know, it was Daryl, Daryl, you know, where's Daryl, where's Daryl, you know? And so it was all about Daryl. And I was, you know, I was like, okay, okay. It was, it was, it was you know, it, God was working on my sanctification, you know, it was all right, that. I was right, like, okay, right. is humility Trying to humble you. you yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. I got it. I get it. Okay, yeah. Lord, I'm, I'm going to work yeah. on that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so he, he, he's, he's worked on me, you know, and I got it. So I, I, I figured that out. I'm with that. So ne- this next year, though, man, 
I think it, you know, I think again, Lord willing, I think it'll be off the chart, man. I really do. Cause I, I really I know- think, I really think the, the moniker Omaha, Mm-hmm. It's gonna be all about you at G. Okay, okay, in, in, we'll, in we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but the irony, though, the irony, though, is even if it's all about Omaha, you're gonna have to give me the credit. Oh, oh that's right. That's right. Since I gave you, yeah. see, since yeah. I gave, yeah. so it, yeah. it still all comes back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't win for losing. Bro. That's a, you hey, can't win all, for losing. Bro. It's all good, man. We we, we look. We talked. <laughs> we talked about it last time. That. The, the, the lesser will be greater. The greater will be lesser. I, I work with it, man. I work with it. It's all good. It's long all. Good. As long as you get in, right? <laughs> Absolutely. As long as I get in, it's all good, bro. It is all good. Absolutely, man. No, bro. It's it's good. I, I I look forward to it, man. It's always a good time to catch up with Dwayne and the folks on the bar and just everything, man. Just a lot of great things going on with that. So we 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 just got a lot of a lot of good things happening. So I look forward to. Hopefully the opportunity to get to connect with everybody there in G three and, and and the like. So it'll be a good look. Yeah, just a few months away, man. Mm-hmm. A few months away. Mm-hmm. So uh, so tee us up, Omaha. What we got for the listeners on this episode forty two? Forty two, man. We've got a we've got something really interesting, man. Again, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those deals where uh, it 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 touches on a lot of different areas, a lot of different arenas. It, it touches on the social justice piece. It deals with areas of, of, of kind of the compromise of sin. I mean, just, just a lot of different arenas. But what we're dealing with the, uh, on this particular episode um, is, is the, the living out. And it talks about uh, the issues, the 10 statements that, uh, that the folks from living out are trying to examine to help our, a church family audit whether or not they are culturally sensitive to the LGBTQIABCD plus 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 group, mm-hmm. and it, it it's really really interesting. And 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 as they begin to tee up their you know their standards, their questionnaire, um, man, folks who aren't you know who who, who are not um, theologically sound, or or maybe they lean into uh, maybe some some maybe emotionally driven uh, cues, they could fall into a trap here very, mm-hmm. very easily with mm-hmm. some of the things that, that are asked uh, about this. And so, and you sent this to me earlier and I, I almost missed it. And uh, uh, as I looked at some of the, the, the questions and kind of how they audited some of the different things, but, but basically it's a questionnaire. And what they want to do is they want you to, to ask these questions and audit how inclusive is your church? How inclusive is your church to the LGBTQ, uh, you know, folks and uh and, and so they tee up these questions and it's 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 basically basically uh put together by the folks at living out yeah and we're going to touch on those questions that comprise that audit uh during this broadcast during this episode uh but yeah i appreciate you teeing that up for us uh there at omaha because i've i've commented previously on this platform and on others about how movements that have arisen within the evangelical church are endeavoring to widen Mm-hmm. what the gospel describes as a narrow road or the narrow way or the narrow gate. Um, and this is one of those instances. There's a, there's a UK based ministry, which you alluded to by the name of living out whose emphasis is on ministering to same sex attracted Christians. And they've put together what you alluded to earlier is what they call a 10 question audit. 
Now, living out that ministry itself uses that word audit to describe this 10 question survey, if you will. Uh, the objective of this audit is to determine how what they uh, term to, to determine how biblically inclusive, quote unquote. Isn't that interesting that they use yeah. the term biblically, right? Yeah, biblically inclusive. This is an audit. Now, I spent several years in the banking and finance industry. When you hear the word audit, it gets people's attention. Okay. And the thing about audits is that on the other side of the audit, when it's completed, there are standards that you're either held up to with respect to items you need to fix or items that you got graded well on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when a, when a Christian, a professing Christian ministry uses the word audit, understand audit in the context that if you don't, meet the standard of these 10 questions, then you're going to be held to a sub subjective standard, subjective being defined by this particular ministry to get that particular item fixed. So when we delve into the audit here in a few seconds, understand that these questions that we're going to read to you in the context against the background of what the word audit contextually means. Okay. So Living Out has developed this 10-question audit to determine how biblically inclusive your church is. Now, but before we get to the audit, our listeners should know also that Living Out is connected with a larger organization that goes by the name of the Evangelical Alliance. Evangelical Alliance, which is also based in the UK, okay? So Living Out is a sort of a subsidiary, if you will, of Evangelical Alliance. Both of them are based in the United Kingdom. Now, the about page of the Evangelical Web, I'm sorry, the Evangelical Alliance website, if you go to their site uh, and if you when you get this podcast and you listen to this episode, there are links to both the Living Out website as well as the Evangelical Web Evangelical Alliance website that will be there for you. So you can just click on those links. But if you go to the about page of the Evangelical Alliance website, their about page reads, reads as follows in part. Okay, what I'm about to read is only part of what you will read there on the about page at the Evangelical Alliance website. Quote, we are the largest and oldest body representing the UK's 2 million evangelical Christians. For more than 165 years, we have been bringing Christians together and helping them listen to and be heard by the government, media, and society. Unity is what drives us, but not just for unity's sake. By bringing people together, we are following the John 17 mandate to show the immense love of God who sent his son for us. Now, just as an aside here, I'm going to continue with the quote here just a second. But they say that we are following the John 17 mandate to show the immense love of God who sent his son for us. They don't expound in this statement on why God sent his son for us. They only say that God sent his son for us. Now I make that comment because it's going to come into play in our conversation here in this episode, Omaha. All right. So to continue quote, we connect people for a shared mission, whether it's nurturing a church culture that is increasingly confident in the gospel, getting involved in community action or lobbying the government for a better society. Unquote. 
Now, again, what I just read is from the about page of the Evangelical Alliance website, and that's what you will read in part. Mm. Um, there, there's additional uh, verbiage there on the site, but you can go check it out by clicking on the link in the episode notes uh, once this episode of the podcast is released. Uh, now, continuing sort of on that same train of thought, if you were to go to the Living Out website on the what we're about page of the living out website are the following three pillars. Okay. Number one, pillar number one, to help Christian brothers and sisters who experience same sex attraction, stay faithful to the biblical teaching on sexual ethics and flourish at the same time. Okay. That's pillar one. Pillar number two, to help the Christian church understand how they can better help those who experience same-sex attraction to flourish. Okay. So within the two, the first two pillars, we see the word flourish there twice. Pillar number three, to help the wider world hear and understand that there is more than just one viable script for those who are same-sex attracted. That that should that should be that alone should be alarm bells. Right. It's very concerning here. And this is what you're having to do. As more and more of these sort of sociocultural um adapt adaptive or adoptive ministries come to the fore, listen to the vernacular that they use. Mm-hmm. Listen to the terms that they use, listen to the words that they use to describe their mission, to describe their purpose, to describe their raison d'etre, their reason that they exist. Listen to those words and and hold them up against the vernacular, the terms and words that are in the gospel, okay? And that's what's concerning, Virgil, exactly right. Because what's concerning to me about ministries like Living Out and Evangelical Alliance is terms like sexual ethics Mm -hmm. and flourish and viable script. And using those terms as substitutes for the terms the gospel uses, the biblical orthodox terms that the gospel uses. And it's ministries like these that appear to be proffering a kind of one sided soteriology that stresses only God's love. Right. As if there's no obligation on our part. Right. And that's what's so dangerous about this. You're hearing so much said about God's love, 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 love. Just as as I read earlier from the Evangelical Alliance about page. By bringing people together, we are following the John 17 mandate to show the immense love of God. And that's the kind of. Salvation, the sort of the salvific paradigm that you're hearing from ministries like this, that it's all about God's love, 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 love. Right. God loves you. God loves everyone. But with no obligation on our part. Okay. And that's what I want to delve in tonight. So it's what we're going to talk about in this episode is not so much about living out as a ministry or evangelical alliance as a ministry, but this is just one example of many examples. Revoice would be another example of how you have ministries and organizations that profess to be Christian right? that are so siloed on things like community 
diversity and unity. And as we just read earlier, flourishing and sexual ethics and conversations, you know, buzzwords like that. As if salvation or being saved is a one-way street, that God has done this for you because he loves you, but you never hear anything about what our obligation is in return. Right, right. It's, that it's, love and that grace. It's it's interesting, Daryl, as you as you kind of unpack this and talk through this this whole process. Two things kind of hit me as as you as you kind of share this. One is the buzzwords, and we talked about this during during the last episode. It's it's as if they they use all of these words in a culture that seems to be trying to say, use a lot of words that actually mean absolutely nothing. Right. 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 And, and, and then, and then two, I think you nailed it on the head when you said, you know, it's, it's, it's a focus on one attribute of, of God. We're focused on, on the, on the attribute of God's love and, and we're not focused on any aspect of God's justice. We're yeah. definitely not focused on any, any aspect of, of God's holiness. Right. Or, or, or how we as believers need to walk through a process of any sanctification. Um, there, there's definitely no quotation of any of, of John fourteen fifteen that if if we do love God, we would obey His commands. Right. There, there's no thought process about that, and there's no embrace. There's no the, the sexual ethic is used rather than biblical sexuality. Right. right. You know mm-hmm. the, these these words are 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 used in exchange for the manner in which the Bible talks about these subjects. Right. It's interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right, Omaha. And again, what we're talking about in this episode is less about these specific ministries and is more about, Virgil, what you just touched on, trying to put this sort of what Paul would call a different gospel. Mm. We need to look at this different gospel in the context of what biblical orthodox gospel is. And that's what we're going to do in this episode, hopefully. So what I want to do right now is for the sake of our listeners who are not familiar with this quote unquote audit, I'm going to go through these 10 questions. I'm just going to read each of the 10 questions for the sake of time, though, we will not have time to sort of exposit these questions and and exegete the different terms and, and words that are used that are inherent and intrinsic to these questions, but I'm going to read the 10 questions. And then I want to sort of rebut the idea of this audit through scripture. That's what I want to do. So again, so what I'm going to try to do in a a broader uh, perspective is look at the relationship between salvation and sanctification, specifically with respect to since God has done this, do we have an obligation to do this? Okay. So that's where I'm coming from with this. So this is the audit that was produced by the ministry called living out. The audit is titled how biblically inclusive is your church subheading 10 statements to help you audit your church family. Now I sort of gave a, a, a definition of audit earlier. So do not look, lightly at that word audit carries some weight here okay so here are the 10 questions number one and these questions 
um, I'm holding actually a hard copy of the audit in my hand and you have to respond to each question by answering either true, false, or not sure. True, false, or not sure. Okay. For each of these 10 questions, question one or statement one, your church family meetings include people who could be labeled LGBTQI. Then there's a plus symbol and the hash. I'm sorry, the slash symbol. Your church family meetings could include people who could be labeled LGBTQI or same-sex attracted. True, false, not sure. Question statement two. Derogatory language or stereotyping attitudes towards sexual minority groups. There's another buzzword, uh, Omaha. Sexual minority. That's a new category. Derogatory language or stereotyping attitudes towards sexual minority groups would not be tolerated either up front or in conversation between church family members. True, false, or not sure. Statement three, all in your church know that we all experience, here's another buzzword, sexual brokenness. All in your church know that we all experience sexual brokenness and all are being encouraged to confess their own sexual sins. True, false, not sure. Statement four, same-sex sexual relationships are never mentioned in isolation from other sinful patterns of behavior or from the forgiveness offered to all through faith in Christ crucified. True, false, not sure. Hmm. Statement five, all in your church are hearing the same call to radical self-sacrifice of themselves in response to God's giving of himself in Jesus. True, false, not sure. All your, your church is hearing that all in your church are hearing the same call to radical self-sacrifice of themselves in response to God's giving of himself in Jesus. Statement six, all in your church are encouraged to develop an identity. There's that word. To develop an identity founded first and foremost on their union with Christ. True, false, not sure. Statement seven, a godly Christian's sexual orientation would never prevent them from exercising their spiritual gifts or in serving or serving in leadership in your church. Mm. True, false, not sure. I want to repeat that one because that's a that's a doozy right there. Mm -hmm. A godly Christian's sexual orientation would never prevent them from exercising their spiritual gifts or serving in leadership in your church? True, false, not sure? Statement eight, God's gifts of either singleness or marriage are equally promoted, valued, and practically supported in your church family's life together. Statement nine, church family members instinctively share meals, homes, holidays, festivals, money, children with others from different backgrounds and life situations to them. And then finally, statement 10, no one, now listen closely to this one, folks. No one would be pressurized. This is a word that I'm reading verbatim here. No one would be pressurized into expecting or seeking any quote unquote healing or change that God has not promised any of us until the renewal of all things. Wow. <laughs> now, if we had time, 
Uh, I would love. I would to, love, man. I, bro, I would, we I would might love to just rip every last one yeah, of these statements like, apart. Yeah, bruh. There, there's so much stuff in that. <laughs> wow. Wow, that whole thing. And he, and here's here's the thing. And listen, I know you. you we've got so much to. Co- we, there's so much ground to cover, and and so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor the time. I would I would simply say this. For the purpose of our listeners who might have listened to you run through that and, and have questions, have legitimate questions um, about that, I, I would encourage them to reach out to us. If, if, if it would be beneficial to them for us to take the time to unpack those. Great, great idea, Verge. Great idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, great idea, man. Um, great re- idea. Reach out to us. And, and and let us know because you know it, it it may be something that might be worth us taking the time uh and 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 equipping um you know the folks who who connect with us here and and then and then by extension those that they're connected to um yeah. because this this is this this can have the potential of being incredibly confusing to those who don't who don't really know what's going on here yeah that's a great idea verge and by all means listeners please hit us up you guys know how to reach us already. You're already giving us feedback every week, and we appreciate that. You know you know how to reach us. You know where to reach us. Let us know. If this is something you, you want, want us to sort of expound on a little further, this 10-question uh, this audit by living out how biblically inclusive is your church, uh, let us know. We'll be glad. You know, If we get enough um, responses, requests uh, to sort of do a part two on this, you got it. You name it. Hey, it's done. It's done deal. We'll be glad to do it for you all if you think it would be beneficial for us to do that. But again, I want to reiterate that what Living Out has done with respect to this audit is just an example of what I'm seeing, Verge, and I'm sure you're seeing it as well. Um, ministries like this proffering a gospel, what I call a really soft gospel where God is so embracive by virtue of his, they, they have so contextualized the attribute of his love that he is embracive not only of those who would come to Christ, he's embracive of them as they are, as we are, but that you can remain as you are. Right. You can remain, his love is such that you can remain as you are. Hence, my concern that ministries like this are selling a soteriology, a salvation that is one-sided. They cite John 17, that God has given his son, they say, for us, but they don't explain what for us means. They don't explain the significance of God taking that step. As we see in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They don't expound on why God did that of his own volition and why it was necessary from from where we sit for him to do that. So this is a one-sided salvation where okay, God has done this. Christ has died for you. So you're good. 
You're good. You're set. Mm-hmm. You're good to go. All we need to do is just, it's, it's sort of a kumbaya soteriology. <laughs> Let's just come together. We're just going to lock arms. We're going to hold hands. We're just going to love on one another. We're not going to judge one another. We're not going to call out anyone's sin. We're not going to call for anyone to repent because that's, you know, that's kind of, even though that was the first word of the very first sermon that Jesus ever gave was repent and believe in the gospel. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. So you guys need to take this audit wherever you go to church and wherever you may have responded false or not sure, you need to fix that because right. we say so. Right, right. Because <laughs> we say you need to fix it. Right. That needs to be fixed. If your church is not in- holding family meetings that in- include people who could be labeled as LGBTQ or same-sex attracted, you need to fix that. Okay? But like I said, that is not the larger issue. The larger issue for me, what concerns me is the idea that we can rest in our salvation and think that we have no obligation whatsoever to God from the standpoint of our response to that volitional gesture, which uh, by his grace, we now are eternally secure in him. So that's what I want to talk about in this episode. So we've gone over the audit questions. Mm -hmm. We've gone over the 10 statements in this living out, audit of how to determine how biblically inclusive your church is. Mm -hmm. And we've titled this episode, the narrow road. Yeah. The narrow road. And we're going to do our best. Hopefully our listeners by the end of this episode, they will understand why we titled it that. But Virg, I've got a ton of scriptures to go through because that's what we do on the just thinking broadcast. We open the word of God and we read it. Yep. And we look at what the word of God has to say about these issues. And I want to start, in Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And of course, as usual, I'm reading for the non-Arminian standard Bible translation. Elect standard version. I know you prefer the elect standard version. (laughs) But uh, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. This is Jesus himself speaking. Quote, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it unquote. That's Matthew seven verses 13 and 14. That was Jesus, Jesus's uh, own words. Now Christ is speaking here in Matthew seven of our entering the kingdom of God. So when he says enter through, that verb phrase there, he is referencing entering into the kingdom of God. So that's what he's speaking of there in Matthew 7. Now, there are several other texts that portray Jesus in terms of the entryway into God's kingdom. Several other texts in addition to Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. I want to read a few of those. In John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Okay, so again, we have that sort of 
picture of Jesus as the entry way, the entry point, the entry person into the kingdom of God. John chapter 10, verse seven. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Okay. So Jesus has described himself as the door, the way, Matthew 7. He uses words in terms of a gate and the way. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, for through him, that is through Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Now, in speaking of just sort of hearkening back to Matthew 7, where Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. And we talked about how that verse is talking about entering into the kingdom of God. In speaking about the kingdom of God, that preposition of, in the phrase kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. that preposition of is of great significance and should not be overlooked. It should not be overlooked Mm -hmm. because that two letter word of is conveying to us, not only to whom this kingdom belongs, namely God, but also to who has the right to define and determine what that kingdom consists of, consists and and is comprised of, and by what principles and tenets it will function and operate. I want to repeat that. So when when you hear the phrase kingdom of God, or you looking into the word of God and you find verses that reference the kingdom of God, such as those that we've just read, Do not overlook that word of, because that of is conveying two things. One is conveying to whom this kingdom belongs, belongs to God. And it's also conveying that because it belongs to God, that it is God who defines and determines what that kingdom consists and is comprised of and what principles and tenets by which it will function and operate. God makes that call. Now, just to illustrate this verse, just to illustrate that point, if I were to visit your home there in Omaha, I would be visiting the residence of Virgil Walker, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, far be it for me to enter through the door of your residence and attempt to dictate, mandate, sanction, or decree how your home should be run. Right. That's the residence of Virgil Walker. Right. Now that your residence is the residence of Virgil Walker grants you certain rights and privileges that I do not have by virtue of that residence not being my residence. Right. That's because I don't do the things that are required for the home in which you live, such as pay the mortgage, you pay the homeowner's insurance, you pay the utilities, etc. I don't do the things that are required for that residence to be considered my residence. In other words, I have no legal right to dictate how your home should be run simply because you allowed me to enter it. Right. It's the same with the kingdom of God, which again is why that preposition of is so important. Now I want to go back to the text we were looking at earlier, Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14, because I want our listeners to notice something in that text which is this, that's the relationship or connection that Jesus makes between the gate and the way. 
the gate and the way. Okay. He does that twice. Once in verse 13 and again in verse 14 in Matthew chapter seven. I want to read that verse, those verses once again, Matthew seven verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, there's a relationship. Jesus makes a connection in those two verses between the gate and the way. Mm -hmm. I point this out because what Jesus is saying here is not only that he is the gate. Right. Or the entry point, if you will, into the kingdom of God, but also that upon entrance into that kingdom, which Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 is by grace through faith. Yes. Upon our entrance into that kingdom, Jesus in Matthew 7 is making the point that there is a way. That is, there is a manner of life that we who have entered through that gate, that is, through Christ, are to follow from that moment forward. So two things to be pointed out in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus is making a, a connection here between the gate and the way. The gate is one thing, and the way is another thing. Do not miss that, folks. In other words, what I'm saying here is that Christianity doesn't end with our entrance through the gate. That is, it doesn't end with our coming to faith in Christ, but extends into our way of living man. after we've entered the gate. Come on, man. After we've gone through the gate, and that's the way. That's the word way. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7. Once you enter through the gate, there's a way. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's the manner of life. So, again, Christianity doesn't end with our entering through the gate. It doesn't end with our coming to faith in Christ. It, but it extends into our way of living after we've come to faith in Christ. In other words, as Christians, we cannot so take advantage of the grace of God that allows us into his kingdom. Just like my illustration earlier verse, I can't take advantage of your grace by allowing me into your home. Right. We can't take, we cannot so take advantage of the grace of God that allows us into his kingdom. And at the same time, think we're going to dictate to him how we're going to live in that kingdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can't do it. But see, that's what ministries like living out is doing. Mm -hmm. That is what, what ministries like revoice is doing. They're taking advantage of the grace of God saying, well, God loves us. God's, you know, just, just partake of God's grace, partake of God's mercy, partake of God's love. And that he has, he has adopted us and brought us into his kingdom. But we're going to tell him how we're going to live in that kingdom. Right. No, no. Now, to kind of further that point, I want us to look at two verses here. Two specific texts that I want us to look at, both of which are located in the epistle of First uh, Peter. All right. Both of these are in First Peter. The first text is First Peter, chapter one, verses one and two, with an emphasis on verse two. OK, the second text is going to be first Peter, chapter one, verse twenty two. Mm -hmm. All right. So what I'm going to do first, I'm going to read first Peter, chapter one, verses one and two. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, 
Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Now, notice in verse 2 of 1 Peter 1. Peter says we were, quote, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Right? To obey Mm -hmm. and be sprinkled with his blood. Not just be sprinkled with his blood. Right. In other words, in making that declaration, Peter is placing sanctification, that is, to obey Jesus Christ on the same level as salvation. Right. That is, where he says to be sprinkled with his blood. So when you're reading 1 Peter 1, verse 2, the phrase to obey Jesus Christ is sanctification. Mm -hmm. To be sprinkled with his blood that's salvation. Right. Peter puts them both on an equal plane. Matter of fact, he mentions in that verse the sanctification first. <laughs> the point is this you can't have one without the other. Right. Peter does the same thing in 1 Peter 1, verse 22 where he declares this, he says, since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Peter doesn't say in first Peter one, verse 22, he doesn't say since by the truth alone, we have purified our souls. No, he says, but that our obedience to that truth, Mm-hmm. It's evidence that we have purified our souls. Absolutely. That is, by obedience, we prove that we are truly members of the body of Christ. I just want to reiterate those two verses again. First Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Peter says that we were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his his blood. You weren't just chosen to be sprinkled with the blood of Christ. Right. And that's it. Right. You were chosen to obey. Yes. He says it again in 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have in obedience to the truth, not just in faith to the truth or belief in the truth, by obedience. Now, what is my point in all this? My point is that no one can profess to have come to salvation in Christ who does not obey that same word that God used to bring you to faith in Christ. Man, come on, man. No one can profess to have come to salvation in Christ who does not also obey that same word that God used to bring you to faith in Christ. Amen. As Paul says in Romans ten seventeen. It says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The same word by which you were saved, the same word that God used to bring you to faith is the exact same word that he calls you by which he calls you to obey him. Right. So my point is this, that in the gospel, 
salvation and sanctification are not mutually exclusive doctrines. That, that's that's what that's what's trying to be done by these groups. Exactly. And and they're doing it in very slick ways through language. And and, and slowly but surely, Daryl, they are they're trying to separate these things through the language that they use and 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 pulling on the heartstrings and the emotion of the exactly. gullible. Exactly. Exactly, brother. Exactly, Omaha, you're exactly right. That's why when you read this audit, you have to look for the code words. Mm-hmm. Same-sex attracted, sexual minority, mm-hmm. sexual brokenness, identity, uh, words like um, uh, healing, change, you know, uh, different backgrounds and life situations. You know, you know, the gospel calls all that stuff. It calls it sin. That's what the gospel called refers to all that too. Okay. So again, my point again is that in the gospel, salvation and sanctification are not mutually exclusive. They are inextricably connected. This is what Jesus himself said in Luke 646. This is probably the most profound rhetorical question Jesus ever asked. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So here we have ministries out here under the guise of Christianity saying you can call Jesus Lord without doing what he says do. You see, that's not biblical Christianity. That's not biblical Christianity at all. There are those today who profess to be part of the kingdom of God, but who are trying to deconstruct what it means to belong to the kingdom of God. This goes to my earlier comment. There is an obligation on our part when and once by God's grace and mercy. We are made members of his kingdom. By by grace, through faith, we become members of his kingdom. We are on the hook to obey him. Still to obey him. The gospel does not call us to repent and relax. It calls us to repent and obey. That's a good word. We just read that in 1 Peter chapter Mm 1. Just read that. I'm going to read it again because it's so so wonderful. It's so truthful. It's so deep. Mm -hmm. Peter says, you were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Sanctification and salvation go together. I want to read John three thirty six. Again, sanctification and salvation go together. John three thirty six. He who believes in the son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. See, now that's a verse you will never hear no. ministries like living out and the evangelical alliance touch. They won't touch that text. Mm-mm. They won't touch this text either. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, 
because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification. That, In other words, through obedience by the spirit of faith in the truth. Now, these ministries, they might quote you the first half of that text in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. Because the because God has chosen you from the beginning. Now they will they'll quote you that. But the rest of that verse, they won't they won't touch it. For salvation through sanctification. How does sanctification occur? It occurs as we obey the Lord. Mm-hmm. Paul says to the believers in Thessalonica, he says, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification. In other words, through obedience. And what Paul has said here to these Thessalonian believers is essentially the same thing as what Peter was saying in the verse we looked at earlier in 1 Peter 1, 2, that God in his foreknowledge chose us not only to be sprinkled with the blood of Christ, which is salvation, but to be sanctified, that is set apart by his spirit, which is reflected in our obedience to him. So no, you cannot widen a road that Christ has said is narrow. Yes. That's why we taught this episode, the narrow road. This is why we read in Matthew 7 that where Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. But see, what you're not going to hear from these ministries, and this goes to your point earlier, Verge, that they're trying to change the vernacular. Right. So that the vernacular doesn't convey a message of destruction if right. you follow this road. They're trying to make the wide road sound like the narrow road. <laughs> right. To get you to walk down the wide road, which is the road Jesus said to stay off of. Mm-hmm. We're trying to widen a narrow road. Jesus already said that the road is narrow. That means it's narrow now, and it will always be narrow. The narrow road will never not be narrow. The narrow road will never not be narrow. So, no, you can't widen the road that Jesus has said is narrow. We cannot dictate to God what goes or doesn't go in his church. Mm-hmm. The same Christ who we are called to believe, we are also called to obey. The same Christ we're, we're called to believe, we're also called to obey. That's good. Verge, how are we doing on time, man? We're doing good, man. We got about five awesome. minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, great. Uh, I want to go to a couple other texts here. I want to go to Colossians chapter 3. Verses 5 through 10, again, trying to drive home this point that we are obligated to obey. We we aren't just saved to sit. Okay, Colossians 3, verses 5 through 10. I'm, again, reading from the NASB. Mm -hmm. Paul writes this. He says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. 
But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So Paul says here in verse 10, you've put on the new self. What is that verse? That's sanctification. Absolutely. You put on the new self by putting away all those patterns of behavior that he mentions previous to verse 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're saved not to just be saved and sit. You're saved to obey, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to mature. And you do that through obedience to God's word. Uh, the next text I want to read is Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Second Thessalonians 1, verses 6 through 9. All right, Second Thessalonians 1, verses 6 through 9. For after all, Paul writes, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Mm. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now, that's one of the scariest passages in the Bible. One of the absolute most frightening passages in all the scripture. Paul writes that to those who do not obey the gospel, that Jesus is going to deal out retribution to those who do not know God. That is unbelievers. To those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Yeah. Let's pause here for our urban Family Talk, folks, will come right back after the break and wrap things up uh, with the others on the Just Thinking podcast. And we're back. So you can pair second, sec, I'm sorry, second Thessalonians one, verse eight, with John three thirty six, and you have a theology of God's wrath still being one of his attributes for those who do not obey him. Okay. Now the point I'm attempting to make here is that there is a relationship between our salvation and our sanctification. There is a relationship between our salvation and our sanctification. We cannot profess to be Christian and live however we want. Mm. You cannot do that. There is no there is no loophole. There is no fine print in the gospel for that. Several of the texts that I want to read here, Verge. Uh, I want to start in first John chapter five, verse two. Mm-hmm. And our listeners are going to be hearing my pages turn here for several. That's how we do it, man. This is this, man, because we, we keep it real. Yep. All right. First John chapter five, verse two. Again, there's a relationship between our salvation and our sanctification. First John 5, verse 2. 
talking about the love of God, right? Everybody wants to talk about the love of God. Well, you ever wonder how God defines the love of God? Well, here you go. <laughs> this is how God himself defines lo the love of God. First John chapter five, verse two. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Boom. There's your theology of the love of God right there in one verse. In one verse, you have a biblical theology of the love of God. Mm -hmm. By this, we know that we love the children of God. See, this is what ministries like Living Out and Evangelical Alliance and Revoice are telling you to do. They're telling you to be obedient to the first half of that verse. Right. By this, we know that we love the children. Yes, by this, we know that we love the children of God. So they will. Yeah, they're all on board with loving one another. Right. They're all on board with that. But see, there's something that comes after that comma <laughs> that they don't talk about. No. See, the entire verse reads this way. First John 5, 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. God defines love by obedience to him. Man. That's how God defines our loving him. God's paradigm of us loving him or not is our obedience to him. Mm. That's how God defines it. Absolutely. <laughs> Stand in 1 John chapter 5. Let's look at verse 18. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. Mm -hmm. 1 John 5, 18. We know that no one who is born of God sins. Now, before somebody drives off the highway, listening to this. That's not that's not preaching sinless perfection. OK, what John is talking about there is habitual sin as a lifestyle. No one who is born of God sins as a lifestyle habitually. OK, that's what he means there. In first John 5, 18, we know that no one who was born of God sins. But he who was born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. So the point here is that, again, obedience. No one who is truly born of God sins as a matter of habit. We just read that from the Apostle Paul. You put on the new self. You're not sinless, but you sin less and less and less as sanctification progressively takes hold in your life. Man. Okay, let's look at uh, some more scriptures. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Colossians 1, verse 28. Paul writes this, We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Admonishing, he says. He uses there. Paul writes, We admonish every person. Okay? So we don't just teach on the love, 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 love of God. No, we admonish. We admonish. Let's look at Acts chapter 20, verse 31. Acts chapter 20, verse 31. Paul says again, I'm sorry, not Paul, but the writer here in, in the book of Acts says, Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Admonish each one with tears. That was Paul, wasn't it? That was Paul talking. Yep. That was Paul. Yep. To the to the Ephesian church. To the Ephesian church. Yep. In Acts 20, verse 31, that was Paul. Yep. So again, we have in the epistles and from the apostles, uh, the apostolic doctrine of admonishing one another. Not just telling everyone to gather around a campfire and sing Kumbaya. Okay? Salvation is not just about God's love toward us, but our obligation to him to obey. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. Galatians 5 verses 16 and 17. If I can turn there real quick. Okay, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Paul writes this to the church in Galatia. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Amen. Now that, that verse there is a, that's a boulder on the head of those who would try to widen the narrow road. Man. Especially as it relates to those who would uh, say we should embrace um, LGBTQ lifestyle within the church. Yeah, this is a this is a difficult verse for them to deal with. Yes, in Galatians five sixteen, Paul says, "But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the same sex attracted desires. You will not carry them out, the desires of the flesh, for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit." and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. So instead of a ministry like living out an evangelical alliance and others mm-hmm. saying, well, you need to audit yourselves <laughs> to, to make sure you're being more inclusive of these folks, what they should be doing is pointing those individuals to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. <laughs> That's right. First Peter chapter four. Again, the point here is that salvation, we want, we are not saved to sit. You cannot widen a narrow road. We are obligated to obey the gospel. We are obligated to obey the word of God. First Peter chapter four. As I turn there. First Peter four, we're going to be looking at verses one and two. First Peter four verses one and two. Mm-hmm. First Peter has become one of my favorite books of the Bible verse. I spent seven months uh, teaching the men uh, through an expository study of First Peter last year. Wow. Uh, it took us seven months to get through it. First wow. Peter chapter four, verses one and two. Peter writes this. He says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose because He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Mm. Verse three, for the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Peter is saying here that there, when you are saved, you repent of that old life. Mm-hmm. You repent of that old way of living, and you turn to a new way of living. You turn to a new way of living. 
He says, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the, of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. We are obligated, believers, to obey. When After we're saved, we're on the hook. You go through the gate to follow the way. You go to the, through the gate to follow the way. Lastly, I want to read Hebrews 12, 1. Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 1. The writer of Hebrews says this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race set before us. So again, sanctification, I'm sorry, salvation and sanctification are not mutually exclusive. You can go through the entirety of God's word and find evidence that that relationship as Peter did so beautifully in first Peter chapter one, uh, verses two and three, where he places both of those doctrines on the same level Mm -hmm. that you were chosen by the foreknowledge of God, the father, by the sanctifying work of the spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, not just be sprinkled with his blood, but to obey him. And be sprinkled with his blood. All right? Verge, I want to close with this. And I know we went over time, and my apologies for that, especially yeah. for our Urban Talk uh, listeners. Yeah, I, 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 think, I, think what, I think where you walked through was important for uh, a number of reasons. This issue is key. This is not something that's going away. This is something that's going to grow. This is an issue that we're going to see again. This is this is something that keeps the iterations of this keep keep cropping up with new language, with new phraseology, with new. I mean, the the, the latest phraseology that we've seen is this sexual minority, right? And 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 all of it is an attempt to 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 wash away or to water down the you know the, the idea that sanctification is actually necessary that we can decouple the 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 need for obedience in the life of the believer right and and so i think it's important for for us to to listen to a a longer and more extended and more thorough explanation uh, of a, a scriptural ex- explanation of of what it is we need to know to combat these issues, we, we're going to have to do this and to arm ourselves on every level and in every area with regard to this. Well, I couldn't agree more, Omaha. You said that very, very well. And again, I think it's just amazing that we're having these battles within the church. Mm-hmm. It is. When you, when you read the book of Revelation, you see, and God's going to make this happen. He's going to do this. But God is, wants to present himself a church that is pure. Okay, this is listen, God's kingdom is not a campfire where you just gather around it, hold hands and sing lovey dovey songs. 
God, God is serious about his church. Absolutely. But we don't believe God is serious about his church anymore. Mm. We think we're the ones who build his church. We think we're the ones who do it. No, but it's God who's building his church, and he's building his church. His church is going to be comprised in the end of those who follow the narrow way, not the wide way. You see, you can't, again, I will say this again. You cannot widen a narrow road. The gospel does not allow us to create our own sub-kingdom within God's kingdom where we can live any way we want. Listen to what Spurgeon said, and I'll close with this. Yeah. Spurgeon said this, Charles Spurgeon said this, the prince of preachers, as he was known. Spurgeon said, no man is really saved unless he, in his heart, is obedient to Christ. Man. So there you have Spurgeon equating or putting on the same level salvation and sanctification. Man. No man is really saved unless he, in his heart, is obedient to Christ. And why would why would you want to be anything less, brother? Why would you why would you want to why why would you not want to serve Jesus as Lord? Why would you not want to bow the knee to Christ? Why would you why would you want to hold on to some aspect of sin or sinfulness and mm-hmm. yet claim mm-hmm. allegiance with Christ? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't I don't understand that. And again, what we're trying to do on the Just Thinking broadcast on this particular issue. I'm not condemning anyone. Only God can condemn. But as believers, we are permitted to judge. John 7, 24, Jesus himself says, do not judge based on outward appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. God's word is the basis for that righteous judgment. So I'm not condemning anyone. Only God can condemn. But believers are allowed to make discerning judgments. And this is one of those instances where I felt compelled that we should make a discerning judgment as it relates to ministries like this, living out and um, um, the Evangelical Alliance and others mm-hmm. in proffering, promoting, propagating a soft gospel that would have people believe that you can enter the kingdom of God through a wide road. You cannot. Absolutely. I mean, you you even mentioned, I mean, these are are folks claiming to be Christians. And if that's the case, then we have an an additional obligation to judge those inside the church. Doesn't Paul say that? Absolutely. Paul says that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Paul Paul says that. And then the biblical principle is that God is going to judge his house first. Absolutely. God is going to judge his church first. Mm-hmm. So, Verge, I appreciate you hanging with me on this, man. I know um, we went a little bit long, but I thought, again, the, 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 uh, I, I just really felt obligated, as we, as we do all the time on the Just Thinking uh, uh, broadcast, you can't just cite scriptures without expositing them in context. You have to give context biblical context to the issue that you're addressing. So when you're talking about giving context to an issue like this, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, it takes time. You must let scripture interpret scripture and then apply that interpretation, apply that hermeneutically to the issue 
that you're dealing with. And that's what we do here. So Absolutely. I hope our listeners, yeah, I hope our listeners don't mind us going a little bit long on this episode. And, 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 he, and here's what, here's what, I, here's what I'm, 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 I'm learning through this process. Two things quickly. One is I'm, I'm recognizing most of our listeners, man, as I'm, as I'm watching and the tweets and the different things and, and getting better in my acumen on, on that space. Uh, most of them are, are, are a enjoying what they're hearing and, and, and B they're really desiring even more, more content. And, and to the point you made earlier, uh, brother Darrell, I, I, th- we're recognizing with these issues, it, it's more than just something that, uh, th- that's fly by night. You're having to really take the time and unpack these issues, uh, in such a way that people are educated, uh, and, and theologically equipped to really deal with some of these nuances because they're, they're slight, they're slick in their presentation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. They're very nuanced, and, mm-hmm. and you've got to know exactly what Scripture says. And so it, it, it's going to require for, for, for us as believers, for those who listen to this podcast and others, it's going to take us as believers to become a little bit more disciplined and to really take the time to do more than just, hey, if, if it's not if it's not something that I can get in 15 minutes, I'm going to have to turn it off. If, if right. it's not something I can get in 30 minutes, I'm going to have to turn it off. You may have to listen to something a little bit longer, mm-hmm. a little bit more robust, a little bit mm-hmm. more theologically in-depth for you to get what you need to be equipped to navigate some of these issues. And that's kind of where we are at this point. Very true, brother. Very true. Very true. So thank you all of our listeners for hanging out there with us on this episode of the uh, Just Thinking broadcast. Again, give us your feedback on whether or not you want us to do a part two on this, uh, specifically as it relates to that uh, biblical audit that the ministry Living Out produced. Again, you'll have a link to that document in the episode notes when you go out and listen to this episode. So you don't have to search for it there. If if you're listening now, just scroll down a little bit and you're uh, podcast app on this episode and you'll see a link to it let us know and we'll be, be glad to uh to oblige all right thank you take care thanks for listening we'll catch you next time on the just thinking broadcast god bless <laughs>